I got my voice back. That doesn't mean I got my brain back. Thank you for joining the Escape With Me book club. Escape with me, Sam Reiner. And me, Hannah Rossell. Into our most recent read. Come with us as we evade reality and go into detail about a new book. We'll be covering the book from beginning to end, so remember, there will be spoilers. Today we're going to Marylandville, France. I probably pronounced that wrong because it's French, but... I feel like the narrator on that book was saying Merlinville. Merlinville? Because I remember being like, why is it named after the wizard? All right. Today we're going to Merlinville. If it's not, now that's what it is. Published in 1923, The Murder on the Links is the second book in the Hercule Poirot series. The first book was a huge hit, but follow-ups often fall flat under the expectations. Did Agatha Christie manage another classic, or did she earn her title despite a sophomore slump? So, historical context, because that's what we're doing now. So, the first book came out, and she was already almost done with her second book, which is not this one, but she was almost done with her second book by the time the first one was published, if you remember from our last episode. So this is actually her third book that she ever published. The second one was The Secret Adversary. So that book introduced Tommy and Tuppence. Anyway, I think they're a twin detective duo or they're siblings. I actually do not know too much about them. There's about five books in their series across her entire very lengthy writing career. I think she published like 80 books. Oh my gosh. It's a ridiculously high amount of books. How do you have that many ideas and that many thoughts? She was a genius. There is nothing else I can say there. Yeah. So this fulfills the third of the six of her first publishing contract that she later went on to regret being stuck in. I don't know if this was the point where she started. I think it was closer to four or five books in where she was like, well, crap. I'm really popular. I should be making way more money than this. But I signed this deal because I was so excited to have a publishing contract at all. And that's how the publishing and music industry and a lot of other industries prey on the newbies. Yep, it's unfortunate. That's why it's recommended. Always have a lawyer look over your contracts. But when you're new, you don't necessarily have the resources. So that kind of sucks. But she is halfway through this publishing contract and then she gets a much more lucrative one. Love that for her. So at this point in her life, her child is four, the only child she'll ever have. Her husband has left the military because he was known for being in the military. So some parts of me wonder if took a little bit of him to put in Hastings. I've never read anything that has said anything about them being similar, but Hastings does have a military background. Was her husband also insufferable? Um, well, they definitely divorced divorced so so maybe but we'll get to there don't worry that's coming but not yet okay not yet not at this point in life so he's left the military and he worked for a company as a financial advisor and they did a tour and so agatha and her husband got to travel a lot for most of 1922 so that was the year before this came out and then once he was done with that he stayed in the financial world and apparently Apparently, a really common hobby of his was golfing. And so he on the weekends would go golfing while Agatha was writing her books. And I was like, hmm, interesting that her third book takes place on a golf course. Coincidence? Because that's not really played up in the book. Yeah. It's just like, oh, there just so happens to be a golf course next door. Just casual, you know, just the neighborhood golf course. Nobody golfs. They're still building the golf course, so nobody's there. So, you know, just what so happens. Agatha just happens to know about how sand pits are dug and how placing a body there would be perfect. Weird quinky dink. Maybe she considered doing that to her husband. Oh my gosh. Who knows? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> she was surprisingly devoted to her husband. I don't know her personal feelings, but I definitely believe she believes strongly in the institution of marriage. Ah. So she worked very hard to be a good wife, despite being the more famous one. And spoiler, not spoiler, we'll come to find out how she reacts when her husband's affair becomes public and what that may or may not have caused her to do. <laughs> but we are not there yet. That is in, I want to say, let me double check. I want to say 28 or 29. I'm so excited. Nope. That is 1926. So that is coming up. 
three years from now, but we are not there yet. So that's kind of where we are. Not a huge amount has happened. She's definitely had success with her books more than she probably ever imagined, but we are rocking and rolling. So this is the first time that we've ever read this. We're actually getting to a lot of books that I haven't read, which is kind of nice for the my completionist feels. There's a lot though. <laughs> There's quite a few. And that's just in Hercule. Yeah. She wrote more Hercule Pro books than Miss Marple. Oh my gosh. I almost want to say she wrote more Hercule than all her other detectives combined. Let me double check this. I mean, there is a lot of Hercule. So she wrote 14 Miss Marple books. Okay. And not including short stories, because she did write several books of short stories that had several of her detectives in them, which we might do, but at the end. So we're not doing like one short story in a book because it has Hercule <laughs> and maybe just doing the whole thing. But versus Hercule Perot, who had, we have 39 books to go on the podcast. Ooh, that's a lot of books. <laughs> so including this one, the first book, Death on the Nile, Murder on Orient Express, Roger Ackroyd, and the Christmas one. We're looking at 45 Hercule Perot books versus 14 Miss Marple. Five of the twins. And I think there's another series, but there's a couple other detectives, but not that many. So yeah, I think she wrote more Hercule Perot than the other detectives combined. I can see why she resented him by the end. Yeah, just by the numbers. And just considering it seems that a lot of people feel that she preferred Miss Marple because she was an English lady. I can imagine it being really frustrating if she was writing these other detectives and people being like, yeah, but where's Hercule Perot? And she's like, you know what? He's dead. <laughs> That's exactly where he is. Can't do anything now. Yeah. The way she talks about him, you can tell he has such a set personality. There's something at the end of my book and it was talking about how she came up with the concept of Hercule Perot, which we talked about. It was based on current events at that time. And she talked about how Hercule Perot would feel that she should come up with his his character and then the story but in actuality she came up with the story and then came up with a detective for it which I honestly think that's probably the better way to go about it in general yeah that's what I would think but I kind of love that she just felt so strongly about her personality is like and this is what his opinion on this would be but even if you did love it like how many artists hate their most famous works because it's popular and you're like but my other stuff they're like no what's popular so we will see as that goes on, how that develops. I wonder. For this age level as adult, because default, nothing really in this. It's not even particularly scary. So middle schoolers can be out here reading this. I would not be surprised. Because there are some Agatha Christie books that are actually scary. And you're like, oh. <laughs> that is not a children's book. So content warning. Language is about PG-13. There is murder. There is kidnapping. And there is sexism. Because it's the 1920s. Yeah, they went sort of, well, a little lighter than usual on the racism. Yeah, because normally they're racist against Italians and that was because Italians weren't always considered white or whatever race the British considered themselves. Yeah. I've never actually seen the same racism from British people against the French. So I'm not terribly surprised. I was just worried when South America was mentioned, I was like, buckle up, buds. This is about to get bad in here. I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah, they don't ever meet anyone technically from South America. That's a good point. I never thought about that. I was just really worried we were about to hear some atrocious things and I was going to be like, oh no. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, this book is turning 100 years old this year. Hooray! But I will say that the sexism is not minus three stars. This is awful. I've honestly read some books nowadays that are worse on the sexism than this book. But it is something where you're like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, if you've just had it with the patriarchy, maybe don't. <laughs> it's fair. It's fine. Judge a book by its cover. Okay, I thought the golf course was going to be way more important. 
Oh, me too. I definitely thought there was going to be like a golf ball involved because the title of mine, which is the Kindle audio version, the title is on a bloody golf ball. Yeah. And I was like, did someone get bludgeoned with a golf ball or a golf club? I mean, that's a unique way to go. Yeah. I really thought there would be more golfing. See, I've seen that cover and I've seen another cover where it's a pair of legs facing down, but it's obviously a golf course. Yeah, I really thought golf would be more important, not just like, oh yeah, they were building a golf course. Based solely on the title, I had no idea. I was like, what the heck is a link? I still don't know what that is. What is a golf links? A golf course. It's the oldest style of a golf course first developed in Scotland. Huh. Why I didn't Google it earlier? I don't know. I was just like, why is the word links in the title? I understand now. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought from the title that there'd be a golf tournament and one of the competitors gets murdered. That would have been very interesting. Interesting. I don't know what I was expecting. I was just expecting more golf. Much more golf. No. He was just paying for a whole golf course. You know, it's casual. Does he own the golf course? Did they even say that? I think it just so happens his house is next to a golf course. I thought his son said that his dad was paying for the golf course. Okay, that makes more sense. I feel like I remember that being read. His dad was funding everything. No clue. That would make more sense because I was just like, oh, there just so happens they're building a golf course. And they're really going to regret being next to a golf golf course because I feel like they're going to get their windows broken constantly. I don't know. They have those mighty hedges. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Those hedges came up more often than the golf course. (laughs) They did. The hedges just catch all of the golf balls. Get all the gossip too. Yeah. Only the hedges that are badly disguised. Why aren't the hedges on the cover? (laughs) They're far more important. I want to talk to somebody. Simon & Schuster, who is still publishing this? I have issues with your cover design. Thank you very much. I mean, if you really think about it, you can still have a golf course with hedges. Okay, to be fair, the cover on mine, you can see the hedges in the background. So there is some hedge representation. I mean, they basically are the main character. They really are. They need a whole book about them. Primary witness. It also says on the cover of mine, Agatha Christie, the queen of mystery. Oh yeah, and she is, so fair. She is. Absolutely. So, talking about the book, this is where we get to talk about how we are officially starting an anti-Hastings club. Oh, gosh. He was insufferable, this book. Oh, he bothers every fiber of my being. Every iota of it is just... Mm. Yeah, I much prefer when it's third person. Gosh. It just feels like his whole purpose is to be there to be a Watson. I prefer Watson. Hastings just there to find a girl. That too. Hastings has an issue with falling in love with every single woman he sees and wanting to marry them. Really? He's like some high schooler, like, oh, she's cute. I'm gonna marry her. Every woman that has ever been in these books. She's literally married or you think she's a murderer. Your taste in women is not stellar. He fell in love in the last book with his friend's wife. And then he tried to get engaged to a woman that he thought murdered somebody, even though he didn't love her. Oh my gosh. Because she was crying. He tried to cheer her up. Hastings. And then in this book, he gets a thing immediately. For a girl who doesn't even know her name. For Marth. On the train. Oh yeah, and Cinderella. Yeah. I like Cinderella better than I like Hastings. She had some spunk. I liked her. We need more Cinderella. See, and this is where I find it interesting. Agatha Christie specifically said she doesn't like romance in detective novels because she always feels like the love interest is really boring. Well, she flipped the script. (laughs) The love interest is hecka interesting and Hastings is boring. (laughs) Right? Maybe the love interest of the detective is boring. Yeah. But the love interest of the boring secondary character Character is interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I, it, ugh, Hastings. Because all he does in this book is fangirl over the other detective, which, dude, know your side. And then he immediately flips. Right? And then he thinks the girl he's so in love with is the murderer, so he lets her escape, my guy. Ugh, we'll get there. Ugh. He just bothers me. All of it. Anyway, Hercule gets a letter from this dude, Renald. Renald? Renald. Renald. I was right. Ha ha. First time ever. <laughs> anyway, he gets a letter from Renald who's like, I'm so scared. And Perot's like, interesting. And so they go to France. And by the time they get there, he's been murdered. 
So apparently the body was found 9 a.m. that morning, but the murder supposedly happened between midnight and 3 a.m. According to a clock, 2 a.m. That is also the testimony of the wife. And the body was face down in a freshly dug open grave on an unfinished golf course. Dramatics. Yeah. The open grave was really just the cherry on top, I guess. He couldn't just be face down. He had to be in the grave. Yep. He was stabbed in the back. The knife was left in the back and had no fingerprints. There was a threatening love letter from someone named Bella in the pocket. And he was only wearing underclothes under his jacket. Just weird. Weird all around. Yeah. The servants found the door ajar. There wasn't a burglary. She swears she locked the door last night. She has no idea how it happened. So that's kind of our mystery. And Hercule starts getting to work looking around the crime scenes and whatnot, pulling things together. But he is not the only detective on this case, which I do kind of like to talk about. They get to the house. Hercule's like, hey, we've been summoned here. And the cop's like, oh, sorry, there's been a murder. You can't come in. He's like, I'll give this piece of paper to your superior. I don't know. (laughs) I could not keep up with the titles. So give this to your superior. And he's like, okay. And (laughs) this guy just runs out. He's like, oh my gosh, Hercule Perel. Oh, that's so awesome. Come on in, man. (laughs) They're really excited for him. I love that everyone seems to know him. Yeah. Do people just madly write letters about Hercule? He's very popular, apparently. I mean, he's had an entire career before this started. That is true. I hope we learn more about his previous career in future books. There is a book, I think, of short stories that's called His Early Cases. Ooh, that sounds fun. I believe that it could be on the force. I do not know. I just know the title. But I love that. And so they go in, whatever. They find out there's a second detective because they had to have a French detective on this. Silly. (laughs) This dynamic cracked me up the entire book. Oh, he had a mustache. I'm surprised at some point Hercule wasn't like, and my mustache is better than yours. <laughs> Just the final blow. Nail in the coffin. Yeah. Anyway, there's this guy named Gerard and he's in his 30s. And he just immediately writes Hercule off, like, oh, you're old. Hercule is so sassy. And I love it so much. He deserved it. (laughs) But there's this new philosophy. I think this is interesting. Forensics is a relatively new field. The reason Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock is because he was annoyed at police officers for not taking forensics seriously. That's amazing. And so he wrote these books about a detective that uses forensics to solve mysteries. It's a very interesting history. We can talk about how they used to measure heads to tell if you were criminally inclined. Oh my gosh, yes. Wild times in our history. I don't remember what that's called. Phrenology. But it's interesting because it almost feels like Agatha is kicking back against that a little bit to be like, hey, this is this guy who focuses on forensics and goes out of his way to search every single angle and to look at things. But if he doesn't have a good way to link those in pieces of information together, it can still cause problems. Yeah, that was just a little bit of interesting insight into Agatha that I thought about with him. But Gerard's an annoying prick. Yes. He deserves everything that's coming to him. (laughs) I kind of wish he would have been there to get his final comeuppance, but I mean, it works out in the end. But they're set up as rivals. And like I said, they just completely are just like, hey, I don't like you because you're old. Yeah. And Perot's like, well. (laughs) That's rude. Because this all started with Hastings being like, oh, Hercule, you should focus on the forensics of things and really look. And Hercule being like, I am not the hound dog. I am the owner. I do not need to be a hound dog if I have other hound dogs around me. And so they meet them and then Hastings is like, oh my goodness, someone who agrees with my whatever. And Hercule's like, well, you found your basset hound. So I don't know. He's got a chip on his shoulder, I guess. But he's apparently a really good detective and does great work in whatever. We don't see it, but we are assured that he obviously didn't get this job because he's bad at it. Yeah. But he'll go out of his way to search everything and make really quick decisions. But I think the really important thing is how if something doesn't fit the narrative that he wants, he just ignores it. 
Yep. I think that's his grievous sin because even with forensics, if you do it like that, you can definitely tell a story with your own forensics. Uh huh. So it's really cool. I love it. It's kind of juicy. I'm kind of sad that it kind of peters out halfway through the book. We just stop seeing Gerard because we're too busy with Hastings being in love with Cinderella. Yeah, that was really disappointing. I didn't even notice that. Oh my gosh. He just kind of disappears from the book because we have to focus on Hastings being dumb and making the wrong conclusions again, which I'm so tired of his ego. Oh my gosh. I think he sort of believes that Poirot is getting a little old. He does, dude. No loyalty. That got me on my nerves because it's like, okay, yeah, you did that last book. And they've had several cases since then. But now that there's a new shiny toy in town, he's like, oh my gosh, maybe Hercule is out to pasture. Bruh. He has not missed yet. Trust the track record. If he starts missing, fine, but he has not. Ugh. And then also Hastings will have his own theories and then be dramatically wrong. And then he'll be mad if Hercule isn't telling him everything on his mind. It's just, ugh. I know. Hastings has like some severe FOMO. I know. I don't know what's up with him. He's got a lot of issues. He needs therapy. He has an attachment style problem. He does. Oh my gosh. He gets overly attached to people, and then it's not that deep. Yeah. Hard and fast, man. Anyway, Gerard is looking around and finds all this evidence, and Hercule is like, cool, 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 cool. So all of your stuff is dumb, (laughs) and everything you haven't paid attention to is important. Yes. So to go on a little bit, you find out some weird things, like they have a son. I'm not even going to bring up the chauffeur and the assistant. They're not even important. They don't even go here. I mean, we don't even meet them, really. We meet the assistant for, like, two chapters? Minuscule, yeah. They talk to him, and his role is to be like, oh, I'm pretty sure that my boss was being blackmailed. And so that brings up the topic of blackmail. But other than that, he's not that important. Yeah. And so the blackmail comes up. Oh my gosh, let's talk about this. How much money? So this neighbor lady is blackmailing him, you come to find out. Yep. The wife tries to claim they're having an affair, which is what everyone assumes to begin with, is that they're having an affair. No, she's blackmailing him. They said that it was 2,000 francs in the last six weeks. I converted it to pounds, which it's not going to be exactly what 1923 money is, but roughly that translates to 4,000 pounds in six weeks. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of money. But let's talk about today's currency. 1923 to 2023. Oh gosh. That would be 400,000 pounds or 487,762 US dollars in six weeks. Wow. She was making bank. Ma'am. What are you spending that on? They don't even talk about like, oh, she has super fancy clothes. Her house has super new things. No, I want to know what she's spending that on. I feel like she was just saving it all. See how much she could get out of him. That is dumb, stupid amounts of money. What even would that be in a year? If someone was making that much money in a year, okay. She'd be a millionaire. Divided by six times 52. So at that rate, at a year, she would have made 4.3 million dollars. Yeah, I need to go find someone that can give me that much money. What is she spending it on? I have questions. That is never answered, by the way. I don't know. If I was her, I would save it and then immediately move away. After I'd gotten all the money I wanted, I would leave. Expose him and then leave. She does disappear at the end of the book. Yeah. Maybe she had an escape plan idea. I do not know. That is an amount of money to live comfortably wherever the heck she goes to start a new life. I mean, it's not even like, oh, I need to escape to a third world country. I mean, she could live like a princess if she went to a third world country. Yeah, she really could. But she could be set up in America pretty well, too. She'll be sitting pretty comfy. Find herself a rich husband, become a socialite, a debutante, and then kill them, too. It's fine. So that's going on in the background. And then included in that, we have that whole Bella thing. Oh, my gosh. A little bit of a stretch here to me. They know about Bella from the letter in the jacket, and then they find in the office under a rug part of a torn up check with the last name Devine on it. 
And so they're immediately like, oh, Bella Devine. Yeah. How did you put that together was my question. I was like, that could have been for anyone. Yeah, it was quite the jump. But because Hercule Poirot said it, it's right. So I was like, okay, immediately fine. But to me personally, that seems like a little bit of a jump. Yeah. So Jack apparently had a lover or a girlfriend. I don't even know what their relationship before was. An infatuation? I don't know. No, because Kirkville is convinced they were the true love and whatever. Yeah, I mean, Jack did give a pretty sentimental gift. And so they were together until Jack got interested in the neighbor girl, Marth. And so he wants to be engaged to her. Well, the parents don't want him to. And he's very confused about that and very upset about that. And a couple days before the murder, he gets in a huge fight with his dad. Yeah. I want to marry her anyway, and I hate you, and I hope you drop dead, or something like that. He makes some veiled threat like that. Yeah. So everyone's like, huh, Jack, that's real interesting that you say that, and a couple days later, your dad's dead. And he's like, well, I was on the other side of the country, about to get on a boat, and I just so happened to pick up a newspaper, and that's why I came back. And then they're like, um, actually, the train station person is like, oh, no, he was here on the day of the murder. The night of the murder. And he's like, oh, that's suspicious. How the turns have tabled. So you have a lady blackmailing him for unknown reasons. Slash could be his lover. Because I don't think that's confirmed until a little bit later in the book. You have a wife who may or may not be jolted. But she was tied up legitimately. So probably not her. But maybe she hired someone. Who knows? Yeah. And then you have Jack who is upset about inheritance stuff. So mystery... Or upset about not being able to marry who he wants to marry. Yes. So we had three suspects by barely leaving the front porch. Good job, guys. <laughs> Got a lot of promising leads, I guess. The mother of Marth, she has, it's called a Madonna hairstyle. It's kind of like finger waves. And people still do that nowadays. Yeah. Is it the finger waves with like the really, really deep side part? Yes. And ironically enough, Madonna did rock that plenty of times. But that is the Madonna hairstyle. So we're up to three suspects. And Gerard is convinced it's Jack. So I automatically knew it wasn't Jack. Because <laughs> at one point, Hastings was like, oh, that makes sense. And I was like, well, it's definitely not Jack then. Yeah. If it makes sense to Hastings, it's not the answer. Nope. I think that's it for suspects. In the beginning, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh, that is it. Wow. It's the smallest number we've started with, I think. Huh. Yeah, because they start off being like, oh, it was two assassins from South America because that's where my husband made his money, blah, 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 blah. That gets turned off pretty immediately. Not terribly surprisingly. But yeah, three suspects. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's wanting for anything, so that's perfect, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it fits. It's just... There's a lot of investigation, which I don't mind. It was fun. Comparative to talking to people. Because as you know, some of the books are a lot of talking. I think this is the first really investigation-heavy one. It's very investigation-heavy. Because the last book, Hastings wasn't there for all of Hercule's investigations. Granted, I don't think he's there for all of them here, but I think he's there for most of them. Anyway, they have this body and they store the body in the shed. I'm not going to think about that because the forensics person in me is dying and thinking about how it really needs to get to the autopsy. The body is decomposing. Were those really all that common back then though? Autopsies, yes. Good conditions for body storage, no. Okay. There's a reason now that they take pictures and then send them off to go be in a freezer. But they store a body in the shed. So that's where he is, just hanging out. They take the knife out. They know about fingerprints at this point, which is nice. Check it for fingerprints. Don't see any. They put it in its own container and whatever. And so that's where the body is. Casual. Hastings. <sighs> in all of his genius. This is where the sexism comes in. Hastings is an idiot because of sexism. Yeah. Hastings is a very sexist person. In the beginning of the book, a girl curses and he's like, oh my goodness, woman, what is wrong with you? How dare you? And she's like, you're dumb and your mama dresses you funny. Um, <laughs> no. 
but she kind of blows it off and she's like whatever i don't care man i do me and he's like wow that woman was weird and terrible i must think about her constantly <laughs> you know that type she is so judgmental he's very judgmental but Hastings, in all of his vast wisdom, runs into this girl Bella again. Which, in the beginning of the book, I was convinced she was going to be the lady golfer. Yeah, me too. Like in Great Gatsby. And she was going to be one of the competitors. Anyway, she just happens to show up in this town. Crazy quinky dink. Oh, and guess what? She's obsessed with true crime. And that's how true crime started. I'm just kidding. It probably started way before that. Oh, true crime is forever. People have always been insanely obsessed with macabre, even though they insist they're not obsessed with macabre. You know, as we do. It's always been around. There's always been a fascination with evil. Yeah. Anyway, so this girl is obsessed with true crime, and she would just so happen to be so, so indebted to him if he just would so happen to let her see the crime scene. You know, just casual stuff that you ask about. Blink, blink, blink. Batting eyelashes. And Hastings is like, that's a great idea. Let me do that. And so he shows her the crime scene and gives her all the information. And she's like, wow, so where's the body? He's like, oh, it's locked in a shed, which is guarded by a cop. Oh, it would be so cool if you could get us in because you're so important, right? You're like the most important person here. So you can totally get me in to see the body, right? And he's like, sure. Hastings is an idiot. Why did that work, Hastings? Does your shovel seem so in the pot that somebody's saying that is enough to get you to break what should be laws? I feel like laws were broken, but everyone just shrugged it off. But he's just like, yeah, I can get you in. I guess they just weren't as strict on crime scene security. I have questions. If that happened nowadays, he would be in jail for a while. Oh my gosh. Tampering with a crime scene is a crime. Yes. So he goes to the main inspector guy. He's like, hey, can I see the keys? And he's like, oh yeah, sure. You want to make an investigation for yourself? Because he's with Hercule Poirot. So everyone thinks he's also important. He's not. But, you know, next to greatness. Close enough. Yeah, no one asks questions. He takes the key, opens the shed, and shows her the dead body. And then she's like, oh my gosh, this is way too much. You know, as a woman, this is so terrifying. And I can't stand it. I might faint. Could you get me water? And he just leaves her. Oh my gosh, of course, poor woman. Pat, pat, you poor delicate thing. Of course, this would be far too much for your sensible self. Goes to house, leaves her with body yeah comes back and she's like oh my goodness thank you for the water i am now revived so i'm going to go and he's like okay let me walk you back to your hotel and she's like no <laughs> let's not and he's like oh I, I insist you know you almost fainted he's like she's like no i'm restored you just want a little bit suspicious hastings no i really insist and she's like okay well why don't we compromise and you can walk me into town He's like, okay. Walks her halfway at the town. She's like, oh, great. Uh, could you look me up tomorrow? I'm at XYZ Hotel. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Still doesn't know her name. Doesn't know her name. Let's her into a crime scene by herself. It's fine. Because she's a woman. Women are so delicate and precious. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Not like women haven't been murderers the dawn of time like everyone else. Right? It's not like she would tamper with any evidence or anything. No. No, she's a woman. So that's where the main sexism is. That had me dying on the floor. If only he could see women now. <laughs> He'd be shocked. Oh my gosh, he would die. He would die. Please. Um, <laughs> anyway, come to find out. Oh no, the murder weapon's gone missing. And do you know how long this idiot waits to tell anyone what happened? <laughs> Too long. I can't. They're like, oh no. And just the whole time, I'm dying on the inside. Bruh. Bruh! Bruh! Oh my gosh. Bruh! <laughs> it stinks. It takes way too long. Because they're like, oh my gosh, it's gone missing. And they try to troubleshoot and be like, where could it possibly be? I have no idea. And then eventually, Hastings like, um, so, remember when you let me borrow that key? Well? Well. 
<laughs> and Hercule has the best burn here. He doesn't mean it as a burn. I'm taking it as a burn. He tells Hastings to start a harem <laughs> because he falls in love with every woman. <laughs> that one caught me. Yes, accurate. I think even Hercule is getting a little sick of him. Hastings would read harem manga. He would. I'm calling it now. And he would be jealous. He would probably identify as the bland, does-nothing character, but has all these amazing women following for him because he's just so amazing. Frankly, he's usually the only guy around. Mm-hmm. From the ones I've read, it's usually this milk-toast guy who just happens to be around these amazing women. They're like, well, there's nothing else here. This guy. That would be Hastings. That would be Hastings. Absolutely. So that. That happens. And I think that's the most important part of the book. Hastings is an idiot. And I hate him. That's the secondary. Murder on the Links, where Hastings is a big idiot. Where Hastings is a huge idiot. He sides with Gerard to begin with. Then betrays Poirot. Completely. He lets someone steal the murder weapon and doesn't face together that Cinderella is the one who took the murder weapon. Yes. For so long. He's an idiot. Not even an option in his brain. She could have never done it. She's just a meek and mild woman. She would never. I just so happened to leave the shed open, like unlocked, while I walked her back to town. So clearly that's when someone stole the murder weapon. Is Hercules like, uh... You sure about that, bud? You really should be forming a harem. (laughs) (laughs) Savage. So, there are several fake endings to this book. I feel it's kind of like Clue the movie. Oh my gosh, yes. I was just listening to it, so I had no concept how far I was into the book. So every time one of those fake endings came up, I thought it was the end. It never was. And I was like, what is going on? (laughs) No, I'm glad that the second fake ending wasn't the ending because I wasn't satisfied. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad none of them were. It was just very confusing. But it is a lot like Clue where it's like, oh, this happened. No, it didn't. But what if this happened? But it didn't. Here's the real thing. What is it? The first fake out ending is Gerard's convinced it's Jack, the son. And of course he didn't do it. Yeah. But he's convinced that he did it because he was going to murder his dad because he thought he was still in the will. Turns out he changed his will to just have everything go to the mom. So they were like, oh, Jack didn't know that the will had changed. So he murdered his dad so he could get the money so he could marry his true love. You're like, okay, okay, okay. This is kind of where Gerard drops off. I guess he loses his purpose because he's like, haha, Jack did it. He solved it. So there's not much else for him to do, really. Yeah. And so instead, Perot's like, let's chase down this other lead. Let's go to England. And I forget how close France and England is. Yeah. I kept telling like, oh, yeah, they're fairly close to each other. They're so close. To get to France from Britain, how long does it take? Okay, so obviously you can drive there now. But by boat, the fastest ferry takes an hour and 40 minutes. Which isn't that bad. Probably longer back then. Yeah, like the next fastest ferry, Dover to Dunkirk, is two hours. Dover to Callias. And I think that's one of the cities they were going out of, is an hour and 40 minutes. It's only 20 miles. The shortest distance is a 20 mile straight. I drive farther to get to work every day than they went by boat. I used to. Yeah. I feel like it probably took a couple hours back then, though. Yeah, but still, it's like not even a day trip, but I'm an American, and to me, getting to another country is insane. Considering I am in the southeast, if I were to start driving, it would take me over 12 hours to get to Canada or Mexico. Distances in the U.S. are actually ridiculous, and other countries are flabbergasted that we can be driving for like a day, 24 hours straight, and still be in the same country. Yeah. Let's see. How long does it take to drive from one side? It takes 45 hours or about six eight-hour days, eight solid hours of driving to drive coast to coast. 45 hours. That is ridiculous. Yes. If you drive 45 hours in Europe, you're not in Europe anymore. You're gone. You've gone to Russia or Asia or somewhere else. You're not in Europe. Okay, so apparently they're almost even. The U.S. to Europe. Europe is only slightly bigger. The entire continent of Europe is 10.2 million square kilometers, where the U.S. is 9.8 square kilometers as one country. 
as we go down this rabbit hole. So they were like, oh, let's just pop back over to England. I'm like, whoa, that's going to take so long. Are they going to leave the investigation like this? And then culture shock. I know. I was really like, y'all are just traveling to a whole different country. No, we're just in a really huge country, which is basically the states are their own countries. If this was any other continent, the states would be their own countries. There are countries in Europe the size of Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Anyway, culture shock needed to be realigned there. That is not a big deal. So they go back and Hastings figures out Pro basically has to tell him that, oh my gosh, Cinderella, that must be Bella Devine. Oh no, she could be the murderer. And at no point does he ever be like, oh crap, I shouldn't have let the potential murderer get the murder weapon. No. In his mind. The woman he loves, of course. He is in love with her and he has to marry her and will protect her at all costs. Sigh. Shake my head. So he has decided to go against Perot and he's going to give her an alibi and be like, oh, this alibi totally exists now, even though it's not true. It's like that saying love makes you do stupid things, but I'd like to argue that Hastings is just stupid. Unhealthy attachment styles is all I'm going to say. Yes. And so he's like, oh no, it's Bella. And so they go to a show and apparently she's a part of a singing, dancing, acrobatic duo with her sister. A twin, right? Yes. They're American born, grew up in England, and they perform on stage as the Dolce Bella kids. Yes. So he's convinced the Cinderella, who he's been obsessed with secretly, even though he's like, ah, she's so not ladylike, frown, whatever. Yeah, he can't make up his mind. He's just happy a woman is showing him any attention. She could do so much better. But yeah, so he is now going to, he tells Bella that, oh, he knows about her murder and how she murdered him in a fit of rage thinking, so this is where it turns out, thinking it was Jack. Okay, this actually gets me. (laughs) So from the back, she thought it was Jack because the dad was wearing Jack's jacket. Yeah, they look exactly the same, apparently. I don't think that him wearing Jack's jacket was a huge reason, because the only difference between the jackets, apparently, maybe there's like small things, but there's a two inch difference on the hem. So I don't think a two inch difference would have really made her stop and think if she did it. But this is the reason. He's wearing a jacket, Jack's jacket, and so she stabs him behind because she's mad that he's in love with this other woman and basically treated her like trash. And so Hastings is like, I'm going to protect you. I know you did this and says how he thinks she did it. Just giving away all the clues, my guy. And whatever. She's like, oh my god, I'm so, so thankful. And of course, the next day she's gone. Mm. Hastings. Nowhere to be seen. And so the interesting thing is they think at this point that Jack is protecting Bella because he says he was walking across the links trying to get to Marth's house because that's the reason he was there. He was going to hang out with Marth for a little bit before his dad sends him on this really weird errand to go to South America. And so he's cutting across the links and suddenly he hears a scream. He looks over. He sees a dead body. He doesn't know it's his dad, but he sees a dead body and he sees Bella, who's like panic. She looks up, sees Jack, runs away. And they're both like, oh no. Yeah. And that's what you come to find out because during Jack's trial, Bella just rocks up and is like, I did it. I murdered him, which the judge was not happy about. The judge is just like, oh my gosh. And so everyone thinks, oh, Jack was protecting Bella. Come to find out. First of all, Bella isn't Cinderella. He got the wrong twin and he's just dumb. Not off to a good start with this relationship, Hastings. Because apparently Jack had a picture of Bella and Hastings looked at it and was like, oh my gosh, that's Cinderella. And then he's looking at it later and he's like, that's not Cinderella. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's her sister. You don't even recognize the girl you are in love with, Hastings. I mean, he doesn't know her that well, to be frank. He'd seen her, what, twice? Once for like, what, an hour or two on a train ride? And then an afternoon where they were looking at a mercy. You know, that's fair. You don't know her that well, Hastings. That's all I'm saying. All she's done in this relationship is manipulate you. (laughs) I mean, I think she's really cool as a person, but I'm just saying from his point of view, I don't understand. I do have questions about him, but it's whatever. But Bella confessed because she was protecting Jack because she came across a dead body and in the distance saw 
Jack. And thought Jack did it. So, where does that leave us indeed? We are now down two of our suspects. So, Hercule doesn't tell Jack this. Or, not Jack. Well, I mean, Hercule doesn't tell Jack squat. <laughs> he really doesn't. I love how in the last one, Hastings was like, I don't know, had more interactions with the person after they got arrested, I feel like. Or at least more conversations were had. I feel like it was like, oh, Jack's been arrested. Well, we're gonna drop this plot line until it becomes relevant later. <laughs> yeah, just a casual side note. And on to more plot. So, Hercule figures this out in his brain. Doesn't tell anyone. Also, by the way, at some point, Hercule Pro make a 500 franc wager about who's going to catch the killer. Which, by the way, ridiculous money. I don't know what it is in today's way, but that seemed like a lot. $500 for any wager is a lot. Well, some things are small there. Like 500 yen? Not that much money. True. So you never know how much a single thing is worth. I assume Frank would be a little bit more, but of course I had to use the current conversion again. So not exactly correct, but in today's money, if we were going to convert 500 francs to 2023 US dollars a thousand two hundred they just wagered over a thousand dollars i would like a thousand two hundred dollars yeah for not being hastings i would be a much better assistant Anyway, so at this point, they're back in France. Hercule steps it up, so Cinderella comes in. Cinderella finally gives her name, and Hastings sounds shocked, but he's kind of dumb, because, oh, guess what? Their show is called Dolce Bella. Bella's one of the sisters, and the other sister's name, Dolce! Dolce! They're the Dolce Bella kids! Crazy! And that was dumb. It's like, my real name's Dolce. He's like, oh my goodness, guys. I thought you were a detective. He doesn't use those gray brain cells very often, does he? Yeah. Also, the other thing that was annoying was his inconsistency, because when Gerard was going inch by inch over the grass of the murder scene, he was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. I wonder what he's going to find. And then when Hercule actually does some deep investigating, is going through Jack's stuff and going through everything in the drawers, he's like, this is boring. Hey, scenes. Anyway, so what had happened was there was a murder 20 odd years ago between a lady and her husband. The woman was tied up by these two guys looking for a secret from their husband, and then they murdered him. Come to find out, this lady had numerous affairs, but she had her eye on this one dude that was super rich from America, and she wanted to be with him, but she couldn't be with him while she was married. And I guess divorce would have made her look unappealing? I don't know what was with that. I guess she wanted to inherit the money. Yeah, she probably wanted that money. So she convinced one of her other affairs that was in love with her to murder her husband. Yes. And they concocted this plan. The problem was she wasn't tied up like she was being tied up. It was kind of loose and she could have gotten out at any time. And so the courts were like, well, this is suspicious. She got off somehow with the jury. Because she was pretty. I mean, Poirot even says that like they're a sucker for pretty girls and tragic stories. So the original guy who murdered him, though, his name was George, went missing after that. He just vanished and he's still wanted for murder because he's still in trouble. Yes. Well, he escaped the country and went to South America, made his fortune, moved to Canada, met a lady, got homesick, went to Britain, but wanted a summer home in France. A really nice summer home. And he just so happened to want to build a golf course next to it, maybe. Because Ronald is George. Dun, dun, dun. I wasn't expecting that twist, I do have to say. That was a pretty big twist and I liked it. That was very good. So, poor thing. But also not poor thing, because he totally murdered a dude for not love. Love in his mind, not love. But he moved to the one place in all of France where just so happens his former co-conspirator lives. And so she started blackmailing him being like, hey, I know your secret. You're still wanted for murder. You could literally go to the guillotine right now. So uh, give me money. And she was absolutely bleeding them dry because once again, a ridiculous amount of money. And so he and his wife sat there like, well, what can we do about this? He decided to run the gambit again 
but this time fake is murder. There just so happened there was a tramp who had a stroke and died. They were going to use his body. So, 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 so. He tied up his wife, dug the grave out there, and they were going to put the dead body in the grave. And they were going to stab him because that was back in the day. It was like, oh, well, obviously he's stabbed and they don't do a full autopsy. So that's what they were relying on. Somewhere along the way, though, Paul got murdered. Paul, George, Bernald. So something went wrong in here. And so you're like, okay, so there is a murderer, but it's not, of course, the way you think it did. Hercule's thinking about this. And he's like, hmm, this is weird. Sets up a trap. And I love the trap he sets up. So his mom wakes up. Jack's mom. I need to be more specific. Although that is technically one of two moms. Yeah, because she passed out and hit her head on, I guess, the stairs. They never specify what kind of stairs, like marble or wood. I mean, anything that would not be great. Yeah. And she's in a coma basically for a while. A couple of days, which is very concerning. Yeah. Everyone's just like casual. Like, yeah, just lay her on a bed. No wonder people's lifespans are so short. I mean, this is back in the days where they didn't know what concussions were. I thought they mentioned a concussion in this book, though. I guess I didn't realize how serious they were. Yeah, it was just like, oh, it's just casually, just like a concussion, it's fine. Oh, and they got hit in the head and passed out and woke up and were completely fine. Yeah, no long-term effects or anything. Concerning. <laughs> anyway, she's in a coma for a couple days and they're just like, oh, it's fine. But she finally wakes up. Hercule's on his way with Jack and... Hercule goes up first to go see her and comes back down. And he's like, oof, she is mad. I don't think you want to see her. And Jack's like, no, I want to see her. And his mom comes out and basically disowns him and is like, I never want to see you again. It's your fault that he got murdered. Da 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 da. You're not going to get any of the money. Yeah, because at this point, they're still convinced Bella did it. And our friend Mart is with us, isn't she? I can't remember if Mart's there or they tell her about it. I think she was there. Oh, they picked her up on the way there, didn't they? Yeah, because they were like, Jack, you may not want to see her, but like, she definitely doesn't want to see you. <laughs> ah, yes. So this causes Jack great distress. It's understandable. <laughs> He's had a rough couple of weeks. And so he goes with Mark to their family and Mark's like, oh, well, I'll take care of him. He's had a great shock. His dad just died and his mom just disowned him. A lot to take in. And his former love of his life may have done it. So that's a lot. At this point, Dolce shows up at the hotel because Hercule's like, I have set up a wedding for you, jokingly, apparently, because I thought for a second he really meant it. <laughs> but Dolce shows up and she had a knife because she claimed when talking to Hastings that she took the murder weapon and plunged it into the English Channel. But she shows up with a knife and Hastings immediately writes it off like, oh, women are so silly. They say that she did it, but clearly she's so sentimental that actually do whatever bruh just another big eye roll you're a dummy you're wrong first of all but anyway you can't trust women to be honest they can't handle truth no you crazy not no hey stinks <laughs> you're making this so hard so they stop by the Debrils on their way out and they're like, hey, how's Jack doing? And they go see Jack upstairs and Martha's sitting by the window curtains. Yeah, because they could see her silhouette from outside. That's how they knew which room. Yeah, she's doing some needlework and he hasn't woken up. The doctor says he really needs to sleep right now. He can't take any more excitement. There. Yep. Very glad they weren't just casually like, oh, all he needs is a stiff drink. I'm like, that's how you start to become an alcoholic. But no, he's on bed rest. Sometimes they do that. It's all I'm saying. And so he's resting and Martha's being very attentive and they're like, okay. And then Perot makes a random inquisition. They're like, oh, has uh, the assistant been by to see Jack? And they're like, no. He's like, oh, it's just, you know, asking, you know, that's the reason we stopped by. Anyway, bye. They leave. They go to the Ronalds. And they have Cinderella with them this whole time. Yes, Cinderella is with them because Hastings was like, no, you shouldn't come. And she's like, shut up, I'm coming. And Hercule is like, awesome. I like you. And Hastings was like, fine, I guess you're coming. And I'm like, this is why she deserves better. He's trying to dampen her sparkle. So they get to the house and they're just outside by the hedges. Just casually. The hedges, the main star. For what a big deal I made the hedges out to be. We have not talked about the hedges once. <laughs> Yeah. So they're just hanging outside and all of a sudden they hear 
someone exclaimed, they're being murdered, basically. Help. Screaming. Help, help. Yeah. And so they go in through a window, but the door is locked on the other side. And they're like, oh, crap. And they're on a second floor. They climb a tree to get in this house, and their door is locked from the other side. And the only way to get to the other place would be going out and hanging from the roof to get to the next window. Which is exactly what Cinderella does. Which is exactly what Dolce does, because she's an acrobat. Which, once again, I say, she's really cool. Yeah, she's like, well, no one else can do this, and gets out there and goes, hunts down a murderer, tackles her, and gets her to stop, but also ends up being part of the manslaughter. Self-defense. It's self-defense, I feel like. At some point, Marth gets pushed or she trips and she hits her head on a table. Oh, by the way, it's Marth. (laughs) I just casually threw that out there. By the way, it's the one woman Jack is in love with. So Dolce opens the door and you find out it's Marth all along. That's when you find out, oh no. Marth was evil this whole time. And of course, Hercule gets to talk about the psychology. Mm-hmm. He really likes his psychology. Because <laughs> you think this whole time that her mom's this terrible woman, but she managed to raise a really sweet and empathetic child because, you know, it happens. Yeah. He didn't believe it, apparently. She had those anxious eyes. She had anxious eyes. Because he points out why was she anxious. She had no reason to be anxious yet. She didn't know about the murder, supposedly. She didn't know Jack was involved with it. For all she knew, he would have been on the boat to South America. So why was she anxious? That's an interesting point that I liked. The Ronalds are idiots. Let's start there. They were about to fake Ronald's death. And you know where they decide to have this conversation? Outside. <laughs> On a bench. Because no one could be listening. What now? So Marth overheard through the hedges. The hedges! The very important hedges! Because you can overhear people and they don't see you. So Martha already knew about the blackmail from her mom. But hedges just magically stop all sound. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot imagine you have it in your office. Closed doors. Windows closed. Make sure no one's listening at the door. Look through the keyhole. Anyway, they had this conversation outside, and so Marth knew about the blackmail, and since it was coming to an end, she needed Jack to inherit a lot of money, because she wanted more money, because that's why she was with Jack, was for the money. She didn't actually love him. Sad. So Jack had three knives. One went to his mother, which was the murder weapon. One went to Bella. That's why Dolce stole the murder weapon. She thought the murder weapon was Bella's knife. But actually, there was a third. Jack is just popping off with these knives. Really was very generous with them. But he gave the third one to Marth. And that is the murder weapon. But can we also agree that knives are kind of a terrible gift? I guess since it was made from part of the planes from the World War. I guess if it's a really fancy pocket knife. I don't know, man. I couldn't really imagine what they would look like. So I was just like, pointy knife, got it. Like a part of his service, like a stainless steel pocket knife. I don't know. So he just loved the idea so much. He gave it to his mom, his girlfriend, and then his new girlfriend. Yes. It's the exact same present. Maybe that's what I'm cringing at. She gave the exact same present to two girlfriends in a row. That is so cringy, dude. (sighs) All these guys are just cringe. That's what they write about in breakup songs is when you do the exact same thing. I think Olivia Rodriguez wrote an entire song about that concept (laughs) on her album. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe that was my issue with it. I was like, bruh, stop handing them out like candy. (laughs) Anyway, Perot convinced Mrs. Rinland to disown her son. She wasn't actually mad at him, which makes more sense because she did so much to cover up for her son. I was confused why she would suddenly be like, oh, I'm disinheriting you. But Perot convinced her to do it to make Marth mad because if something happened to Mrs. Rinland, the money should go to Jack, theoretically. But she was like, I disown you. So she was going to eventually change her will. Yes. The other kind of confusing thing is once the murder happened and Dolce saved the day, Hercule was pissed with the maids. So mad that they changed what room she was staying in and didn't tell him. Oh my gosh. I was like, Poirot, he was like, how could you not tell me, you stupid one? I was like, calm down, my guy. Why are we getting so mad? Yeah, it was irrationally mad. Was he just amped up because he was worried she was actually gonna die? Yeah, but why would it ever occur to them 
them to tell Hercule that she changed rooms. Well, because this was whole setup, because they were expecting Marth to come and try to murder her. Yep. And that's why he was mad, because this was a whole plan to begin with, and everyone just screwed up by not telling him, hey, she's not going to be in the room that you think she is, so you can't get into it by way of that tree. And so she almost died because she was like, I don't want to stay in the room there without my husband, which fair, but still. Yeah. So they're a little confused because they're like, well, how did Marth make it here before us? Well, we mentioned that silhouette in the window. Turns out as soon as they were leaving, Marth ran out the door, ran over to the wherever because they get there by the hedges and Hercule's like, oh, it might take a couple hours. And then suddenly it starts happening. Yeah. Whoa. That was fast. She left while she was talking and then the mother ran upstairs and sat where she was sitting so they would see a silhouette. And later on, they're like, do you think the mom was involved? And Hercule's like, I don't know, but she's gone missing. And I'm like, uh, I think she knows. Why else would she run up there and be the silhouette to make you think that Marth was still there? Suspicious. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Which is apparently the lesson here. Yeah. But what was going to happen was Marth thought Mrs. Rinald was going to be asleep and so she was going to fake a suicide. But when she got there, because Mrs. Rinald was expecting her, she was awake and there was a struggle. And I don't know what Marth was going to do with that. But if I came in there and she was awake... I don't know. I would try to backtrack, come up with some weird excuse why I'm entering your window or something. But no, nah, Martha was like, we're still doing this. <laughs> I've made plans. I am committing to them. Yep. So she did. And that is how she ended up dead. And her mom ended up missing. And Perot doubts that she'll ever be tracked down again. Took the money and ran. Because she has so much money. Goodness. And Perot thinks that Jack and Bella will get back together because in reality, it seemed like Martha was his true love. But considering how they both covered up for each other for for the murder he's like clearly that's the true love eh not sold what about neither of them doesn't feel like a happy happy ending but on the service level at least yay true love question mark yeah so he's gonna take her potentially because perot's like well you should go talk to her before you leave and he's like no what would i ever say he's like i don't know but go figure it out go talk to her he's like okay but he's gonna take his mom and the assistant to south america to start over and potentially bella and then there was a line about hastings doing the same with dolce yeah because the sisters wanted to be together yeah i don't know if that was serious or and this is the last hastings book and that's how he gets written out of the series or if he was kidding. I don't know. That seems really weird to me. I guess we'll have to find out. <laughs> that was a weird line. It's like, oh, and what happens to Hastings? Well, let's say he and Dolce happen to also go to South America. And I'm just like, so many rash life decisions. <laughs> Whatever, fine. So that's why you asked. And they're like, is this the last Hastings book? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. I know by the time we get to Roger Ackroyd. He's gone. Yeah, let me see. That is number... But so I don't know if he's going to be in the next one. So technically, if you listen to anyone who's like, oh, this is the order you should read them in, a short story book comes next. But Hercule, I think, has one short story in the entire book. And I don't think we could do an entire episode on that. I'd rather wait. Yeah, we'll just do all of the short stories at once. Yeah, until we know Miss Marple and the other detectives and read the entire thing versus just whatever and be like, okay, it's in between these two books mentally. So technically, we're doing Perot Investigates next. Oh, and the best part, you get to the end and you're like, well, I really wish Gerard got his comeuppance. <laughs> well, you find out Gerard did, actually. Because <laughs> the end of the book ends and they're like, oh yeah, Gerard just went back to Paris all of a sudden. And I was like, dang, that's so lame. He just laked out and I thought he didn't pay it. No, he paid it. No, he did pay 500 francs. Perot uses the money to buy a stuff fox to put on his mantelpiece because he was a hound dog chasing foxes and so he buys a stuffed fox for his mantelpiece and names it Gerard and the sass and pettiness of this man <laughs> is so satisfying so yeah he now has a stuffed fox named Gerard orange mantle <laughs> I love it Poirot is just he's so extra so sass oh yeah I love him and then he'll 
to do stuff like be over polite. Like the one scene where they just kept saying Monsieur bowing and then Hercule was like Monsieur bow and then the other guy was like Monsieur bow <laughs> to try to get through a doorway. And so they were both gesturing each other to exit through the door. <laughs> I actually liked how Hastings put it. I don't remember how he put it now, but it was very good in the book. But he was basically like, so that went on for a while and then they finally went through the doorway. <laughs> They're just so polite. It's so funny. General thoughts. I want to get rid of Hastings. Please. That is now our club's theme song. Anti-Hastings fan club. I don't care if you like Hastings. I just don't like him. <laughs> yeah. We all have our own opinions. And my opinion is that he's my least favorite so far. Yeah. I like this book. It has a lot more investigations than some of the other ones. A lot less suspects. But yeah, I enjoy how Agatha so far, all her books are always just talking to people. She seems mixed it up with in this book, there's more talking. But in this book, there's more investigating. I think it's fun. Yeah. For example, Murder on Orient Express, there are 12 suspects, where in this one, there's three. So she mixes it up. And then how it's done and how Hercule gets involved with it. And it's fun. I still would have liked that golfing mystery, too. Maybe we'll get one. One day. One question for the authors. I kind of wonder how much she hated Hastings. If she really liked Hastings. I don't know. Because sometimes the way she writes him, feel like there's no love lost here. She did write him very unflatteringly. Yeah, he's usually dumb. He's usually wrong. He's extremely arrogant. And how old is he? He's like, what, 20s? In the last book, he was 30. Okay. So... I don't know what year this is technically written in because that book was written in 1917, even though it came out in 1919. So 33-ish? I don't know. That's just my assumption. But sometimes I wonder how much she disliked him. Yeah, Dulcie. Cinderella, that's just what she's been in my brain. Why is she so cool? Why would you give Hastings her? It really does feel like she turned it around. She was like, I hate that love interests are so boring. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to make sure she's not boring. I commend her for that. I really like Cinderella. Yeah, she is very cool. I like her a lot. It makes me wonder if all her characters are based off of people. I don't know. She said she would see people on a train and be like, oh, that's an interesting look, but then give them their own character, completely remake them. Yeah, but I just want to know, what made her come up with that pairing? Yeah, the pairing themselves and being like, yep, this is happening. I don't know. Apparently Dolce also has an unhealthy attachment style. I guess we all deserve a cool person in our lives. Yeah, and apparently Dolce already has Bella, so she can have a boring person. <laughs> You're her boring person. Rating. I'd give it hitting a hole-in-one out of ten. I liked it. It was exciting. It was fun. You don't know where it's going until it gets there. And then you're like, yes. And it's satisfying. I give it questionable gift giving out of 10. <laughs> Why? Why, Jack? Why? It's not actually a rating of the book. It's just further critique of Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I had questions about that decision. Yeah, like I said, it's giving it to one girlfriend after the other. I guess that's supposed to show his carelessness a little bit between the two. Yeah. And maybe how rushed the relationship with Martha is. but. Bruh. <laughs> Not a good look. Would you read it again? I'd read it again. Yeah. I think I've said that for all her books so far. I mean, yeah, they're all good. <laughs> Favorite in the series so far? Of the four that we've read, and of the six that I have read for the podcast. This one gets bonus points for Cinderella. You think this one's your favorite so far? No, because I really can't deal with Hastings. Yeah, he does put a damper. If it didn't have Hastings, it would probably be my favorite. If it was in third person? Yeah. All right, so if it's not this one. That's always such a hard choice. I've been like agonizing over this one all day. It's really a tie between Murder on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express. Death on the Nile? Yeah, that. Sorry. I'm combining my book titles. I think it's Murder on the Orient Express. I don't know why. It's a solid pick, honestly. Honestly, that's probably completely different from what I said last time. I stand by it. It has all the Christie-isms at their peak. It feels like there's never downtime in it. No. When you really think about it, it's just sitting down and talking to people. But the way it's done is very good. The characters are so fun. And all their different personalities. I really enjoy them. I think my favorite so far is Murder, Roger Ackroyd. So I'm really interested because obviously we're going to hit that point and you're going to have to read that book. Maybe I'll be converted to that one. Maybe I'll like that one. We will see. 
Thank you for exploring the murder on the links with us. I'm Sam Reiner. And I'm Hannah Rossell. And we hope to see you and a friend here next time. Escape With Me Book Club is a Lunar Skulk production. Check us out on TikTok or Instagram to keep up to date with us. Lunar underscore S-K-U-L-K.